0: The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg We're on page 321 after we learn that the importance of doing the mitzvah itself because when you do the mitzvah you have the essence of the mitzvah. So too, when you study the secrets of the mitzvah, you know the subject matter because you're talking about an esric, for example. So the m- secrets of the esrach, the mystical dimension of the esrach, you're talking about an esrach. So you can grasp, absorb what an esrach is. So therefore, you can unite that learning, that understanding, you can unite with it in a very core way, in a very central way. Versus when you study Kabbalah in general, you're studying the structure of the universe and the different dimensions of reality and the different worlds and the Svirot. You can't really know its essence. You're just talking about its existence. You're talking about things that be basically essentially beyond our comprehension. So it's just symbols, words, it's abstractions. So you can compare it to the actual mitzvah. However... Studying the Kabbalah is a very essential thing in Yiddishkeit. Studying the mystical dimension of the Torah. Because it says in the Torah, you have to know Hashem. This is the most important thing we can do, is to know Hashem. This is the ultimate knowledge. As we discussed last week at great length, we had a whole discussion last week, a very powerful discussion, but we left off. And he adds that knowing Hashem... Moreover, this leads to a whole heart. Moreover, this leads to a whole heart, for the latter verse concludes, and serve him with a whole heart, i.e., a knowledge of Hashem leads one to serve him with one's entire being. Not only is it important to know Hashem, but most important, is that it leads one to serve Hashem wholeheartedly. It touches the heart. The only way to touch the heart is through the mind if your mind is not engaged you're not aware if you don't have clarity of mind if you don't have that crystal clear understanding penetrating deep understanding of Hashem nothing is going to touch your heart Yeah, very superficially you know cheap sentimentality That it's fleeting that lasts for a moment and a half but if you want something to really get to you, to get to your heart, you know, wholeheartedly, to be in love with Hashem, and to really feel Hashem. You know, when your heart is involved, when your heart is on fire, it's, it's, you're awake, it's a, whole different, it's a whole different reality. If it's just your brain, your mind, you can understand things, but you're not excited about it. But when your heart is on fire and you're excited and, and then you're awake you're alive your heart is pumping but he says what this really refers to the greatest level of the heart the ultimate goal of the heart is that the heart should reach a place of total fear and awe of Hashem as it says I've commanded you to do the mitzvot all of the mitzvot it's avenu Hashem kenu. So that we should be in awe of Hashem. This is the ultimate level. The highest level of of fear of awe. When Hashem's presence becomes so real to us that we are in awe of Hashem's greatness, of Hashem's presence. It becomes such a reality to us that we're just humbled by Hashem's presence. When we're able to sense the greatness of Hashem, how Hashem is right here with me, right in front of me. When you're standing in the presence of greatness, you're completely awed, you're completely humbled. When you're standing next to a great person, you're standing next to Einstein. Even the physics professor in Colombia feels like a squash bug. Feels insignificant, nothing. All of his br- intellect and his brilliance feels completely insignificant in comparison to true genius, true greatness. And that's just a human analogy. You know, when you stand in the presence of a tzaddik, you stand in the presence of the rebbe. When we go to the oil on Sunday, you get a little, a little taste of it. But when you stand in the presence of feel completely awed and, and, and humbled. So, most of us starting out, Hashem is a zero presence. <laughs> Hashem is just simply not a reality. You know, the simplest nobody, the shmendrik in the room is more of a reality than Hashem is. You know, we're embarrassed to do something when we're in public. Somebody's watching. Nobody. But somebody is there, When I'm alone, we do as we please. But what do you mean? Hashem is here. Hashem's presence is so meaningless and insignificant, it's not even like the presence of the biggest shmendrik in town. So Hashem is no presence, no reality. You don't even have the lower level of fear, of a sense of presence. The ultimate goal is not only to have a minimal sense of presence, but you should have the ultimate sense of presence. When you feel Hashem's presence, the great, uh, holy Rabbi, uh, the, the holy Ruzhin Rabbi, the holy Rabbi of Ruzin, one of the greatest Hasidic masters of all times. So he once traveled with a colleague. I forget which uh, other Hasidic Rabbi, and um, and the rabbis were like uh, they were like celebrities. I mean, wherever they went. People came out in the thousands, tens of thousands, to greet them, to welcome them. And the ruchaner rebbe saw that his colleague was struggling mightily with all this honor and fame. You know, he was struggling; it shouldn't get to his head. You know, (laughs) celebrity status, fame—we can get to your head. We see how most celebrities can't deal with it. It ruins their lives; it destroys them. I mean, they they become inhuman. subhuman, inhuman. They just can't deal with it. They just don't live normal lives. and They can't have normal relationships and they just can't deal with reality. But he was struggling mightily with it. And he asked, how do you deal with all this? Uh, He says, you know, it's a a tremendous struggle. And he asked the Krishna, how do you deal with it? He said, I'll tell you how I deal with it. Imagine you're walking with the king. You're walking side by side with the king. And all the throngs and the whole audience is looking at you. They don't notice the king. And they're adulating you and they're praising you. and You don't know where to bury yourself. <laughs> you're so ashamed, embarrassed. Why are you paying attention to me? Are you kidding me? The king? So, when you feel—that's the higher level of awe. When you feel Hashem's presence, and Hashem is here. What, what are you? Paying, what are you noticing me? What are you paying attention to me, Hashem? What uh, you, you feel completely insignificant. You're really, really humbled. you its not a struggle. You know, to work hard and, and not allowing the fame to get the to ahead or the success to get the to ahead when you feel Hashem's presence, it's so real, when you're of Hashem, and that's what the Torah says in Deuteronomy. The says that the whole purpose of Torah and Mitzvah, the 630 mitzvot, what's the ultimate goal? By Hashem, why is Hashem commanding us to do all these Mitzvahs? Hashem. In order we should reach the level of yirah, of awe, the ultimate awe, the highest level of awe. But the only way to reach that level is when you know Hashem. And you study and delve into the mystical parts of the Torah. If you spend all your life studying Talmud and studying Halacha, but you have no, no energy, you don't spend any time or energy or effort in thinking about Hashem and the greatness of Hashem and the structure of Hashem created the universe, the structure of the universe and the infinite and the higher dimensions and the different levels and the angels and the whole spiritual and the divine. If you don't think about it, and dwell in it, focus on it, pay attention to it, and, and meditate deeply on it, there's no way you can reach this level of being in awe of Hashem, Then I'm not even thinking about Hashem. You know, one of the first Hasidim, the first generation, they had no tradition, they were the first ones. So he ran away. He was the prize student of his, year, his yeshiva, and he ran away and he became a chassid. And he comes home. His Rosh shiva asked him, Why did you run? Why did you run away from yeshiva? Why did you go to the mizrach, the Magid? Why did you, what did you learn there that I didn't teach you? So he says, I learned how to read thoughts. I can read your thoughts, I can read your mind. I became a mind reader. So I ran away to learn that. So Shiva says, Okay, tell me what I'm thinking you mind reader, tell me what I'm thinking right now. He says, You're thinking about God. You're thinking about Hashem. He says, absolutely not. He says, That's why I ran away. <laughs> the brilliant Rosh Hashim, a brilliant Talmudic mind, all day and every day, totally immersed in the Rishrainam and Akhrainam and the deepest the discussions of the Talmud. But he forgot what it's all about. <laughs> All the Torah, all the mitzvahs are about Hashem. <laughs> it all has to lead you. You should come to the, to the sense of Hashem. Sense of Hashem's reality. Sense of Hashem's awesomeness and presence and majesty and greatness and infinite greatness. And You're learning Hashem's Torah. You're doing Hashem's mitzvahs. It's all about Hashem. Imagine you're learning Torah all day, every day, total immersion, you forgot one little detail. You forgot about the giver of the Torah, Hashem, that it's Hashem's Torah. It's not a mathematical equation or a chess game, a game of chess, or to sharpen your brain to see how clever you are and how sophisticated you are and what innovations you can make. It's to lead you to know Hashem. So the only way that you can, in your heart, you can, have this feeling in your heart and this sense of Hashem's presence the awe of Hashem is only when you study the mystical so this is an essential part, although you will never ever be able to know its essence because you're dealing with spirituality with soul, with the uh, higher dimensions of reality, higher levels of consciousness, you're dealing with with, uh, with godliness, with the infinite You're dealing with things that are so beyond our grasp. We can't grasp it. We don't know what we're talking about, really. We're just talking uh, about its existence. We don't really know. We can't experience it. We don't know what it is. But it's essential. That's what he says. Continue. This is... This is the essential thing. The wholehearted of Hashem is the ultimate purpose of all the commandments. As mentioned above, one can attain the state only through a knowledge of the order of his Tashalu, even though this knowledge is merely an awareness of its existence and not a grasp of its essence. So you would think, yes, but if I'm learning about the different worlds, I'm also learning about all the worlds, including the lowest world, the world of action. Well, the world of action I could grasp. See, so he says, no. Whatever I learn, whatever I study, even, even about the world of action, it's also, I don't grasp its essence. Why? Because the whole essence of learning Kabbalah, learning the mystical is, continue. The comprehension of existence entails divesting this subject of any physical. The whole point of studying the mystical parts of the Torah is to strip away the superficial, to get beyond the superficial. So even when you're discussing the, the physical world, the physical dimension, you're trying to, the Kabbalah, the mystical, gets to the core, the essence, the secret, the, the intangible, not the obvious, the surface. It's, it's what's underneath it, what's underlying beyond it, what's really going on, the inner dynamic, the real story, not what you see with the naked eye, what's visible for the naked eye. It's like the famous story in the Talmud. Rabbi Shimon Rabbi and Rabbi Yehuda we have it, were discussing the Romans. And Rabbi Yehuda praised the Romans. Look what they've done. They've built bridges. they built roads. They've built marketplaces. They, 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 they created civilization all over the world. they brought civilization to the world. Rabbi Yehuda was quiet. Rabbi Yochai was sharply critical. Roman, they built roads to collect tolls. They created bathhouses so they can to prostitution. Marketplaces to make money. It's not... Everything they did was selfish. Nothing altruistic. Nothing genuine. Not because they cared less about civilization, about people. It's purely... For their own selfish reasons and, and Yehuda ben Gedim was sitting there and he mentioned this conversation to his wife and before you know it the Romans heard about it and Yehuda was promoted to be the leader of the Jizu community Rabbi Yesu was exiled because he was silent and Hashim Be'echoy was sentenced to death that's why he hid in the cave for 12 years and then he went back for another year so because they were looking for him, they, they were ready to hang him. So Rashi maychay looked looked at what's going on. On the surface, Huda was right. It's very impressive. Roman civilization, impressive. Look what they brought. They civilized the world. They paved roads, highways. They connected the whole world wherever they came. They developed marketplaces, shooks shuk, and uh, and bathhouses, and you know, they created life. And that's what it appears to be. And Shimbai Shimon who was the Kabbalist. Look deeper. He was the conspiracy theorist. He says they're rotten to the core. It's all lies. It's a hundred percent full of of li- lies. It's all false. It's, it's 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 all evil. It's negative. It's there's nothing good about it. <laughs> and he was right. But he went to the to the essence of it essence of the matter. So the whole the whole point of the Kabbalist, the whole point of knowing godliness is really to strip away the surface. Strip away the superficial. The obvious. And, and go deeper and see the real story. You know, whatever you see, whatever you know is just the tip of the iceberg which points to what's hidden. The iceberg that you can't see, what's hidden, what's concealed, it's just points to something greater. So everything in this world is really just a, a marshal, a parable that points to this deep, profound idea. And what we're seeing is just a projection of something much deeper. It's like projecting a, a human being, a three-dimensional object on a two-dimensional surface. So what I see, I see a cartoon, but this picture is just a, is a pointer. It's just a, um, a reflection If I I look at this world at face value, then this world is a very false reading. That's why this world is called a false world. Because if you take it at face value, what you get is a very false reading. But if you look at this world properly, you know how to decode it. You know how to decode the message and read it properly. Everything in this world is pointing. It's just a a reflection of something three-dimensional, four-dimensional, five-dimensional. And you read it properly. You interpret it properly. Then this world becomes a genuine place. Then you see this world properly, its proper perspective. Then you see reality. Everything points to something deeper. And the deeper reality points to something even deeper, and it points to something even deeper, and even greater, and grander. So the whole point of the Kabbalah is really to strip away, like that Russian doll, You keep on stripping away, and stripping away, and getting... You know, the, the su- uh, getting beyond the superficial layers. You know, you look at a person. What do you see? You ask a person to describe someone. One person, all they can describe, they can tell you what kind of shoes they're wearing, what color shoes they're wearing, and the clothes they wear. They're wearing a blue shirt, a white shirt, isn't it? Tell me the color of the person's eyes. I never look. I don't know. you've only seen them for 20 years, I don't know, I never paid attention, I I never looked beyond the blue shirt or the color of their shoes. Another person, you know, police need a description, there are people who can give descriptions, they can start describing the nose, the eyes, the shape, the color, because they pay attention, they notice, they look at a person, they see the person, they're looking at the person, not just looking superficial. They're looking at the person themselves. Tell me something about their personality, character? I don't know. can't tell you anything. I can just tell you about his body, color of their eyes. Another person? Yeah? I can tell you about the personality. I can tell you about the character. I can tell you what gets them angry, what they like, what they hate, what they. Okay. So here I'm getting a, a much better sense of the person. Tell me something about how their mind works. How they think, how they process information, interesting. I don't know. I never noticed. never paid attention. Someone goes a little deeper and tells me a little how their mind works. And then you go deeper, how the subconscious works, how, you know, what what really, what makes them tick, what really is behind the surface, the consciousness, on a much deeper level. So, so the whole point of the Kabbalah is to go deeper and deeper. Not to take anything at face value. So the whole point is, as he said, the whole point of the Kabbalah is to, 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 to undress from the gashmis, from the physical, from the surface, the superficial. Don't just look at the body. Look internally. Look at the soul, the intangible, the part that you can't see. That's the real story, not the obvious Look at the underlying assumptions. Go deeper. Go, f- what's really going on? What's the inner dynamic? What's the real story? So the whole search of the Kabbalah, the whole search of the Kabbalah is studying. So it's not, I don't, it's not about knowing the essence. It's not about knowing the physical. The physical, I can know the essence. It's about stripping away the physical, stripping away the surface, going deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's the whole search of, especially Hasidus, especially Chabad Hasidus. The whole essence of Chabad Hasidus and you've been learning Tanya now for all these years is to go deeper and deeper not to be satisfied with the superficial explanation even the spiritual explanation but but what's behind that and what's even deeper and even more penetrating and even more essential and even more core and what's, what's behind it and what's really all about it's about stripping away not getting stuck on the garment, on the surface, on the superficial. It's really getting to the heart of the matter, the essence of the man. The exact opposite of the Gashmas. The mitzvah, you have to do with the physical. It's the physical esteric, it's physical. That I know. I know its essence. I can relate to it, I can connect with it, I can I absorb it. But the whole study of the Kabbalah is going beyond the surface, beyond the superficial abstract and more abstract and even deeper and even more profound and subtle and even more subtle. And, and, and you know, this talks about such subtleties, such, you know, your head starts swimming, such subtleties and depth. And, so even though I don't know the substance because I'm dealing with such abstract ideas and such subtle concepts and such delicate Levels of understanding and, and, and differentiations and subtleties that are so delicate. But th- this is essential because the effect it has on the person is it takes a person out of being selfish, self-centered, self-absorbed. It takes you out of a life of indulgence. A person who studies Hasidus it has to have some effect on you. A person who doesn't study Hasidus, he could be a religious Jew, but he's very coarse. There's no, You don't see the effect of the Yiddishkeit on the person. The person could be doing everything that's right, could even be wearing the garb, but he's a coarse human being. He hasn't changed one ayoda, he hasn't refined, he's not even refined himself one ayoda. But if you truly study Hasidus, and you get into the depth, especially Hasidus Chabad, and you really understand and try to understand deeper and deeper and deeper, you can't help it, but it, 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 it refines you. It makes you a little more idle, a little more refined, a little more subtle, a little less egotistical, a little less coarse and crass. And everything that you do, you approach, you do the mitzvah with a little less ego, and a little, it's not about me, it's about the truth. It's about doing the right thing. And it's about truly loving another Jew for the sake of loving another Jew. It's not about me. Otherwise, everything is very coarse and crass. And it's about me and I. And it's. So I'm doing the mitzvah, but there's no refinement. There's no subtlety. There's no. It's not spiritual. It's not godly. It's not genuine. It's not authentic. It's very superficial. So that's why it's essential even though I can never truly grasp the subject matter, because we're dealing here with such subtleties, spirituality, soul, angels, worlds, dimensions, islands levels of consciousness, Hashem, the uh, divine Sfirot, the, the infinite, beyond, beyond, beyond. But nevertheless, it elevates a person. You know, a person looks up to the sky, you're never going to reach the sky, ever. But one thing you accomplish, you'll stay out of the mud. (laughs) A person never looks up to the sky, never looks up to the heaven. He he, he falls into the mud. His head is in the mud. When you look up, at least it lifts you up, it pulls you out of the mud. You know, your your head is in a different place. You're in a different place. So your life is not about indulgence, not about cravings and constantly fulfilling your cravings. That's what you live for. Indulgence. Cravings. Self-satisfaction. There's a higher purpose. There's a a refinement. This is the effect that studying Kabbalah has on simple Jews. Not Jews who are tzaddikim. Who are saints. Holy people. Simple Jews. Average Jews who have healthy Yitzhak. Healthy... Egos. But the immersion and the learning and the studying of Hasidus in depth and getting into it and absorbing it and understanding it to the best of our ability, it also strips you away from your gashmis and your coarseness and your selfish life and self-centeredness and self-absorption and coarseness and I, I, I. It elevates you. It lifts you up to a different place. You know, like we just learned the Shabbos. The Jews are like one chunk. The menorah is one chunk of gold. Because we're all like one. When you bang, when you, when you knock on the chunk of gold, you don't know the top ends up in the bottom, the bottom ends up on top. It's one chunk of gold. I don't know where which part is going to end up on top of the menorah, which chunk is going to end up the base of the menorah. So he says all Jews are one. How can you say all Jews are one? You have a great Jew and you have a small Jew. You have a righteous Jew and you have a sinner. How can you say we're all one? So he says, because you have to realize that if there's anything negative in the other Jew, the great Jew has to think to himself, anything negative in the other Jew, it's my fault. It's from my negativity. I never dealt with my negativity. So therefore, the other Jew is suffering. He's, he's living out my, my lacking and my fault. If I see anything good in me, it's his good. <laughs> his good is reflected in me. So even to think along those terms, to think, the tremendous humility and honesty, to see, instead of feeling haughty and arrogant, which is a natural reaction, <laughs> look how great I am. Look at that miserable creature there, that miserable Jew. But Dr. Rebbe said there's the wrong way of looking at it. It's not the way a Hasid thinks. It's not the way a Jew really thinks. A Jew is refined. A Jew studies Hasidus. A Jew is refined. Looks, plums, plums, plums the depth and goes deeper. It lifts you up and suddenly it takes you out of your coarseness and crassness and smugness and self-contentness and satis- self-satisfaction. And relax. You have good in you. It's not your fault. It's the other Jew's fault. There's something wrong in the other Jew. That's your fault. <laughs> Take responsibility for that. Get your act together. And he would never be. He would never be that way. What What, are, what are, This is what it means. half shit Uncovering, removing the, the the clothes, removing the, the layers, removing by studying. Knowing Hashem and studying Kabbalah, that's why it's so essential. You can't say, I'm going to study Talmud and all, I'm only going to study Talmud, only going to study Allah, because that I understand. Kabbalah, Hasidah, it's, it's too lofty for me, it's too spiritual, it's too abstract. I have no clue what I'm talking about. I don't know what it means. Four worlds, ten dimensions, ten sfirot, infinite. What does infinite mean? What does infinite look like? I don't know what you're talking about. Why waste my time? I study Talmud. I know what I'm talking about. There's an asterisk. I know what an asterisk looks like. There's a landlord tenant. There's an argument, a discussion. He says, you're a liar. He says, no, I'm telling the truth. I can sink my teeth into it. This makes sense to me. This I know. Civil law, criminal law. This I can relate to. What am I wasting my time learning hours upon hours, learning about things, angels and worlds and dimensions and spirituality and kalim and lights. What are the lights? What lights? What vessels? I don't know what you're talking about. But this is essential, this is critical. Because this is what takes us out from our Gashmis, from our coarseness, from our crassness. A person can know the whole Talmud inside and out. He's a crass human being, a coarse human being. It hasn't refined him one iota. If anything, it made him more arrogant. Because your whole immersion is in physicality. Yes, you're studying the Torah, but you forgot about Hashem a long time ago, if you ever, if you ever remembered Him in the first place. You're not thinking about him As the Rosh says, absolutely not. I'm not thinking about it. I'm thinking about myself. And I'm thinking about, and since my whole immersion is in the physical, it, it pulls me down. I become very coarse and crass and physical. But when you study Hasidus, especially when you study the Tanya and you study the Chabad Hasidus, it, it elevates you. It lifts you up. lifts you up to a higher place. Your life becomes illuminated, fine, refined. The ear you breathe, it's, 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 it's fresh air. It's, 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 otherwise, you live in smog. You live in <laughs> a lot of hot air coming out. There's a lot of smog, and like burning coal. <laughs> Maybe you have energy, you have some musr, but it's Burning coal—it's dirty energy. You can't breathe it, and it clogs. It's versus imagine you go to a beautiful place, fresh air, mountain, beautiful. You feel elevated, you feel fresh. It's a whole different atmosphere. It's a whole different environment. It's fine. It's, It's inspiring. It's joyful. It's loving. It's good. It's kind. It's deep. It's genuine, it's authentic, it's godly, it's egoless. Versus when it's heavy with ego, I, every word is I. I argue with Rashi. I think differently. You're arguing with Rashi. Midget of a midget, you're arguing with Rashi. preposterous, it's absurd, it's ridiculous, but this is, the, this is what happens when your Torah is very coarse and very crass, when you're not focusing on Hashem, there's no sense of awe oh, of Hashem, presence of Hashem, which can only come about by knowing Hashem and focusing on the greatness of Hashem and really spending time and learning, and focusing, and absorbing, and trying to internalize, and integrate the knowledge of Hashem. In other words, one should endeavor to picture its spirituality. That is, the Rebbe Sritak often stress One should study the innermost and mystical dimensions of the Torah, in such a way that one derives seven from it, These a these the substance derived from comprehension. And Family-based comprehension can be secured only when this dimension of the Torah is studied with the intellectual elucidation afforded by the teachings of Kabbalah. However, this mitzvah of knowing God and apprehending divinity is but one mitzvah of six. So now he's going back. That yes, even though this is central, critical to a Jew's life to study and know Hashem, even though we can never truly know Hashem and truly comprehend because we don't know its essence, and the this, this subject matter is completely beyond our grasp, beyond our comprehension. But nevertheless, it's essential. But it's only one mitzvah. There's one mitzvah to know Hashem. But a man, continue. And a man must fulfill all 613, for they descend from the essence of the external aspect of the vessels of absolute, so is standing, was explained above. And that's what he explained earlier, because the mitzvah, At the end of the day, the mitzvah is the essence of the vessel. It's the essence of godliness. The essence of Hashem is in the esrach, in the physical esrach, in the physical mitzvah. In the knowledge, in the learning, in the studying, in the knowledge of the Kabbalah, in the knowledge of Hashem, you don't really grasp the essence, because you don't grasp the subject matter, the essence of the subject matter. It's beyond our comprehension when you do the mitzvah, the physical mitzvah, the physical esrach, since you can grasp the esrach, you have the essence of the esrach. So your essence touches the essence, and that's where the essence of Hashem is found. And that's why he said, even Moshe Rabbeinu, as great as he is, and the greatest prophet that ever lived and will ever live, but you can't really know the essence of Hashem. That's why Moshe wanted to enter into the Promised Land which most of the mitzvot, the majority of the mitzvot are connected to the Holy Land of Israel, the Promised Land, because the mitzvah, the actual mitzvah, when you do the mitzvah, you touch the divine. So it's not enough just to do one mitzvah, to fulfill one mitzvah, the mitzvah of knowing Hashem. It's critical and essential that we fulfill all 600 And which is why We do spend most of our time, most of our day, we spend not only fulfilling all the 613 mitzvot that we're able to, but studying all the 613 mitzvot which we're obligated to, even today, which the majority of mitzvot are not applicable, but we're obligated. The law of Talmud Torah, the mitzvot of Talmud Torah, as we're learning in the morning, is to learn to study all 613 mitzvot with all the halachas and all the details the practical application, not only to do the mitzvah, but to speak the mitzvah and to think the mitzvah and to study the mitzvah and to learn the mitzvah and to learn all the halachas. So a Jew has to study the Rambam and he has to study the Tur and the Shulchan无Co and the Alter Rebbe Shulchan and the, the, the Mishnah Burrus. He has to learn all the, the halacha. You have to know the whole Torah. You have to know all the halachas. You have to know the reasons. You have to know the whole Talmud. You have to know all the Chazal. You have to know the whole Tanakh. This is this is essential. This is critical. Why? If yeah. knowing Hashem is so lofty and the knowledge of Hashem is so critical and so essential, why can't I just focus? Let me study Hasidus all day. Why should I spend time studying Talmud? Especially as the Gemara says and the humanity says, it's a small thing. Studying the revealed part of the Torah is a small thing. Studying the mystical, the Kabbalah, the knowledge of Hashem, that's a great thing. So let me focus on the great thing. Why, why am I spending so much time on the small thing? Most of our day, we spend studying the revealed part of the Torah. In yeshiva, yes, we spend three hours a day studying Hasidus. But you spend eight hours a day studying the revealed part of the Torah. So he says, because it's only when the Torah that was given to us in the physical world, the physical objects that we can touch, that we know its essence. Since we know its essence, so the only way to touch the divine essence is only by these halachot, by these fulfilling the mitzvah physically. And by studying the halachot about the mitzvah, and studying the, the everything, every aspect of the mitzvah, Of the physical mitzvah. Something that we can sink our teeth in, that we know about, that we can absorb, we can connect with in the deepest way. Essence touching essence. And that's the only way we can touch the essence of Hashem. And that's why he's going to say, that's why it's important, it's critical for every soul. Every soul has to fulfill. As Al-Turabi brings down the laws of Talmud Torah in the first chapter, as he mentioned earlier in the fourth part of the Tanya, the Holy Letters, letter number 29, that every soul, quoting the Arizal, every soul has to come down into this world many times in order to fulfill all 630 mitzvot. That's why we have to go through many reincarnations until we fulfill every last mitzvah that's possible. Otherwise, he says, the soul cannot receive its reward in the afterlife. Because it's like you have to shield yourself. You have to protect yourself. Just like a person has to protect himself from from radiation. He has to wear a special suit. If there's one opening, he's dead. So too, the soul needs a garment. In order to receive the reward, which is the infinite light of Hashem, the soul will be completely nullified before the infinite light of Hashem. The soul needs a protection. So every organ of the soul, every part of the soul needs a mitzvah. Only when it fulfills all 630 mitzvahs is it able to wear this total shield that can allow it to receive the infinite light. Now I can, like you can't look at the sun or blind you. right? By the eclipse, everyone, everyone was buying these glasses. You look at the sun or blind you. Yet you need something to shield you, to be able to see. That's just the sun. Imagine receiving even a glimmer of a ray of the infinite of Hashem. Even the soul will be completely nullified. So in order for the soul to be able to receive and absorb this, this infinite light, uh, even a glimmer of a ray of the infinite light, you need this shield. The mitzvah is the shield. But you have to do all the mitzvah. Without l- missing one single mitzvah, if you're missing one single mitzvah, you're finished. Your soul can't, is not shielded, is not protected. can't handle it. And that's why the soul has to come down many times in reincarnation or visitation. The soul can visit. You can host another soul. Many times we sense that we're, being, we're hosting another soul. We feel uplifted, inspired, and we know it's not me. I don't know where this is coming from. So there must be, a, I'm hosting a very special guest. And by you doing the mitzvah, it also goes, it's as if that soul also did the mitzvah. Because it's not possible for everyone to do all 630 mitzvahs. That's what the Rebbe says. It's not enough. Even though the Talmud says if you study the Torah, it's as if you've done the Torah. So why isn't it enough that I study all 630 mitzvahs? Why isn't that enough of a shield to protect me, protect the neshama in the afterlife? It's not enough of a shield. It says it's as if you've learned Torah. But the neshama has to physically do the mitzvah. That's what he says here. It's not enough for the neshama to learn the whole Torah. It's not enough for the neshama to do the mitzvah. The neshama has to do the mitzvah, learn all the halachas. It has to be speech, thought, thought, speech, and action—all three. You have to be covered in every dimension. Every part of you has to be covered, protected, and shielded. So your actions have to have done every single mitzvah. Your speech have to you have to speak the words of Torah, all six hundred and thirteen mitzvah, and your thought be engaged in understanding the laws of all 613 myths. Only then is your neshamah shielded, protected, whole, complete. And only then are you able to receive a glimmer of a ray of the infinite of Hashem Himself in the afterlife. So the, so the essence has to touch essence. Your essence, every part of you, every part of you has to Touch the essence of Hashem. And this is what gives the neshama, the shield and the garment that enables it. And that's the mitzvah, that's the obligation. on every Jewish soul To do the mitzvah, to study the Torah in its entirety. And it's not enough to say, well, one Jew is responsible for the other. So maybe my friend did the mitzvah for me. No, it doesn't work that way. You have to do the mitzvah. And even though when the Torah says if you do one mitzvah, you're exempt from another mitzvah. The Zohar says that the... Like some of the rabbis, he, he, he encountered... When well, he says, I I smell from your garments that you didn't do this mitzvah today. And the question is, is he was exempt from doing the mitzvah. Because we have a, a rule that if, you, if you're if you engaged in one mitzvah, you're exempt from doing another mitzvah. So, Allah he was exempt. It's not like he... It was negligible, negligent, and he didn't do the mitzvah. The Torah told him not to do the mitzvah because he's busy with another mitzvah. But nevertheless, the fact is, he didn't do the mitzvah. Yes, you're exempt. The Torah tells you you don't do the mitzvah. One mitzvah includes all the other mitzvahs. It's all nice and good. but At the end of the day, you did not do that mitzvah. You don't have that garment. You don't have that shield. So every soul must, not enough that we learn the Torah. It's not enough that we're all responsible for each other. It's not enough that I'm busy with this mitzvah, the other mitzvah. Every one of us has to fulfill all 613 Now, Some mitzvahs, it's not possible. Like a high priest or a king. How many kings were there? Only a handful of kings. How is every Jew going to be a king? You can be reincarnated from today till tomorrow. It's never going to happen. That's what we learn. The king is the heart of the nation. So whatever mitzvah the king does, the mitzvah that are relevant only to a king, when he does the mitzvah, he's doing it for the whole entire Jewish people, like the heart. He's, so when he's fulfilling the mitzvah, we fulfill the mitzvah. We have that garment. Same thing you say in a high priest. But the mitzvah of a Kohen, the mitzvah of a Levi, where are Yisrael. So how about all those mitzvahs? Again, that's a reincarnation. Or... By way of hosting, our soul could be hosted by a Kohen. The times of the temple, maybe we were hosted. So, we, so we, when he did the mitzvah, it's like our soul did the mitzvah. Once the soul has those garments, those garments are forever. The soul is to be reincarnated to make sure that he does the 613th mitzvah. You already have all the garments, but you're missing one garment. You're missing one garment. It's a no go. It's a no show. You can't. You can't receive the reward. You have to come down again. And that's what the Al Rebbe says, that's why this exile is taking so long. That's why it took so long. Because we have to come down many times, multiple times, to do it, to do the mitzvah, to get the job done. You know who is that singer that came in the concert, he was invited, and at the end of singing, everyone started roaring Encore. After the fifth encore, he says, How many times do you want me to sing it? He says, You're gonna sing it until you get it right. <laughs> the soul has to come down to this world until we finally put in the last piece today we're putting in the last piece there's no more reincarnation Mashiach is coming now this moment, this second, a second away so now there's no more we can't push off the next generation in the previous generation you push off the next generation next time around I'll get it right now there's no next time, this is it we're just here to put the last piece the 613th piece, the last piece. This is, what make, this is what completes us. That's why we're the ones who are going to bring Mashiach. We're the midgets. We're, we're putting in a tiny little piece. But it's the last piece. It's what completes everything else. For the first time, we have the whole picture. We have 613. We have it all. So this is the last piece. Especially tzedakah. This is where our generation sparkles, as he said earlier. So this is, so this is the last piece that we have to add. You know? Today you have a hundred Moses Euros. so so today, and uh, the Rebbe says we've already put in the last piece. So mission accomplished. So so uh, that's why it's essential that we have to do the mitzvah. It's not enough to study the mystical and be totally immersed in the mystical, it's critical for us to take action, to do all 600, to learn all the halachas, to learn the revealed part of the Torah and as throughout Jewish history, as we discussed last week at great length all the great mystics, or the greatest rabbis halachic authorities the revealed part of the Torah, there's no other Tanah that's quoted as often as Rabbi Shimon B'Yehoi he's quoted in almost every single chapter in the Shas all six orders of the Mishnah. Rabbi Shimon the author of the Zohar, he is the greatest scholar. Maimonides, the bird Nebuchad, the Raivah, the Raive, Rabbi Yosef Karo, the Ramah, Ramosh Yitzelish, the Teisus Yantar, the Maral. Throughout history. Alter Rebbe, the author of the Tanya, and the author of the Shulchan It goes hand in hand. So those who learn all 613 mitzvot, to know the whole Talmud backwards and forwards, know and the halacha inside out, every halacha, are the ones who also spend hours and hours studying and delving in the greatness of, learning about the greatness of Hashem and learning the mystical parts of the Torah. They're both critical, they're both are central. And one must extensively study all 613 mitzvot and hence fulfill them in actual practice in thought, speech, and deed, which parallel Guru'ah, Mitzvah, and Asiyah, respectively, in order to purify whatever meets purification, the there. As previously explained, the extraction and elevation of the sparks exiled in the various worlds is the ultimate purpose of creation. If, if the Beit HaMikdash doesn't exist, and we cannot bring the second How do we fulfill those mitzvahs? So, this goes back from the beginning. When we, when we had the Betha HaMikdash, we, we took care of the mitzvah that we had to do then. The okay. Betha HaMikdash existed for, between the two, two temples, they existed for 830 years. Today, that's, that's done already. Once you do a mitzvah, you have it. The soul has it. You don't have to do it again. So we, were there. we were there. We have to come back. From, we are reincarnations many times. But those mitzvot were taken care of. Those mitzvot, we don't have the opportunity anymore. So those mitzvot, we must have taken care of in the times of the temple. Or many of the mitzvot even before that. The Mishkan. Don't forget the Mishkan in Gilgal, 14 years. Shiloh, 369 years. No even given. The Rammah says 57 years. So, so you had the tabernacle you had it in the mishkan in the, in the desert so. you had it, you had it for 39 years. So we had the tabernacle for um, for uh, almost 500 years. And Then you had the both temples for uh, 830 years. So we had the opportunity to do those myths with them. But then all the other myths We don't have a king today. We don't have a high priest. We don't have any of those mitzvahs. That's why why it says, that's why we have to come back so many times just to complete, just to finish, to make sure we're perfect, we're whole. So we live in such a fragmented generation, such a fragmented time, and yet the whole purpose is for the soul to come down in order to reach perfection. Wholeness. All 630 mitzvah, without missing one mitzvah. You can't miss one single mitzvah. You miss one mitzvah, mm-hmm. you're zapped, you're radiated, you can't receive anything if you're nullified. One mitzvah it has to be perfect, whole, complete. It's such a broken generation. And yet, the whole point, Our whole mission is we should reach wholeness and completion and perfection, which which is Mashiach, which brings Mashiach. Mashiach is wholeness, completion, perfection. The antithesis of exile, which is broken, shattered, fragmented, confusion, chaos. But what's really going on the inner dynamic is we're going in the exact opposite direction. We're hurtling towards homeless perfection, completion. And that's Torah mitzvah. That's the divine program. And it's a perfect program. Given by a perfect God. Which is going to lead to a perfect world. Versus the Zeitgeist. The zeitgeist of today is to celebrate that brokenness, celebrate that fragmentation. To give up, basically. To dumb everything down to the lowest common denominator. Surrender to the worst, to the lowest, to the basest, to the coarsest, to the crassest. And that's the best you can expect. Don't expect anything else. Don't hope for anything else. This is liberation. Celebrate liberation is the, that a person is broken, and you should liber- And you should you should celebrate it. Give up any hope of change, of liberation, of freedom, of change, transformation, elevation. We can change. We never will change. We're not going to change. We're going to celebrate the way we are. I mean, whoever is selling our youth this bill of goods this is Bernie Madoff on, on, on steroids the difference is that with Bernie Madoff you're losing your life savings here you're losing your life you're losing your soul anyone who buys into this nonsense buys into this dangerous reckless nonsense it's a con job it's, they're, being, they're being sold a bill of goods the Torah is perfect given by a perfect God and it's a perfect vision of reality and anyone who says the Torah is making a mistake and the Torah is not with the times and the Torah, you know, Hashem got it a little wrong and we have to change the Torah <laughs> is, is so lost, clueless. And to say that that is Judaism, this is love, this is Judaism, this is the opposite of love, it's the opposite of Yiddishkeit, it's the opposite of truth, it's cruel unusual cruelty to sell our youth such a bill of goods lies that robs our youth of their soul of their eternity of their soul of their relationship and connection with Hashem of their truth of redemption of geula of Mashiach of godliness holiness purity emes life But that's the confusion of the world we live in. It's so confused, it's so upside down, it's so distorted that everything is upside down. I'm just an extreme example that's so shocking. I mean, just the last few weeks, I mean, you can tear your hair out. Jewish children in school here and in England saying Kaddish for the terrorist that came to kill Jewish men, women and children, to attack our border and to penetrate the border in order to murder Jewish men, women and children. And they're saying Kaddish for these murderers, for these terrorists, which Hamas publicly admitted were Hamas terrorists. And Jewish children are saying Kaddish for them, criticizing the, the Jews for defending their lives. Shack number one. Shack number two the uh, Reform Seminary two, three weeks ago, their graduation. So they had this writer address them. I mean, mean, Hitler couldn't have given a better speech. Like a Nazi. An anti-Semite. He decried, he's against Jews marrying Jews. It's a tragedy that Jews are marrying Jews. I think he was bemoaning the fact that he married a Jew. (laughs) I mean, the language that was used, this this is supposed to be a graduating class of spiritual Jewish, spiritual leaders. Poison, toxic poison, pouring venom on the Jewish people and Israel and, and God and the Torah, and everything that's holy and sacred, with lies, blood libels, distortions, upside-down thinking, crooked thinking. It, it, it's, it's like shocking is not the word. But this is the clarity that we're having today. It's tremendous clarity. You know, when everything comes out into the surface, when a person is, is deathly ill and he mistakenly thinks that he's healthy, by the way, the, the, the seminary came out defending. It's a democracy. We're not afraid to have opinions. We can hear all opinions. This, this is your graduation. This is the message that you want your <laughs> graduates to hear? Someone who is attacking everything that's sacred and holy by the Jewish people? Oh, we're so open-minded, really. Would you like if someone came and insulted you? Insulted your mother, your father, your brother, your sister. This is not open-mindedness. This is sickness. This is deformity. This is, this is illness. This is, it's so toxic. It's so evil. But this is the complete. This is the clarity. When there's no Hashem, and there's no Torah, and there's no truth, and there's no Godliness, And all you have is ego and arrogance. This is what you end up with. It's tragic. Tragic. Really tragic. But in reality, we're going towards wholeness, redemption, perfection, completion, Mashiach, godliness, genuineness, truth. And all of this will go the way of communism, all this nonsense. It's just sad because people, innocent people, get hurt. People fall for this, just like millions of people believed in communism, millions of Jews. It's like the biggest joke of history. Okay. But, but it's a, it's, it's, And they gave up their lives for nothing, for nonsense. It's a joke. It's over. It's as if it never happened. And this is what you believed in? And this is what you gave up your life for? And this is what you gave up your Judaism for? Well, all of these isms and all these nonsense that's going on today is going the way of communism. They're all go the way of communism. But, but people get hurt. People who fall for it. And people who take it at face value. And people who fall for, this, for these illusions. The illusions. You, know, you, you get hurt in the process. There's no changing, there's no stopping the tide of history. Torah will triumph. Hashem will triumph. The Jewish people will triumph. We're going to look at this as like a blip in time, as a a moment of insanity. Truth will triumph, is triumph. But it's just sad, all the people that, fell for it and got caught up with it and, and really self-destructed and harmed themselves. So you have to go beyond the Gashmits. You have to go beyond the surface. Yes, it appears to be the world is heading in one way, but you have to realize the reality is the world is heading in a whole different direction. Internally, the world is moving in a whole different direction. whole different world. And it's now, till now it was internally and now it's starting to Come out into the surface and that's when Mashiach will come and the subconscious will become conscious and the inner depth will come out into the surface and the truth will emerge and it's all its glory and the sun will shine and all this this bubble will burst and all this nonsense will just melt away and go the way of history and you know we'll take the Torah any day any day any time of the day. We'll stick with the Torah. Every letter of the Torah, every word of the Torah. As the Torah says, Hashem said, let a thousand King Solomons perish, and that one letter of the Torah, that one iota, will ever be changed. Because Torah is perfect. It's the blueprint. It's Hashem. And every letter in the Torah is perfect every word in the Torah God forbid to say well there's one part in the Torah that maybe Hashem got a little wrong he forgot to the 21st century No, no. I will take the Torah any time of the day <laughs> over any of these pseudo intellectuals, uh, pseudo-con artists or, or, sp- or spiritual Bernie Madoffs who are selling our youth selling them a bill of goods and uh, snake oil Snake oil salesmen. That's what they are. Snake oil salesmen. The cheapest of the cheap. The lowest of the low. The worst of the worst. But we're going to stick with our Torah. Just ignorance. Because if they study history, all this has been tried before. Absolutely. Absolutely. And whoever tried it again, it just shows you that they are ignorant. They never really study history. They never really look for their people. That's a brilliant point. That's all it shows That's what happened to Rome. The moment Rome uh, endorsed gay marriage, that was the end of Rome. So many examples throughout history because there's other people throughout history who didn't study history. It's (laughs) it's, it's, it's nothing new. And if you really look at it, it's it's a joke. It just shows you that uh, these people, doesn't matter where they come and what the title on the wall, they never study. And you always end up the same. It's, it's, it's true you know so many of the youth are now enamored with communism and socialism hello we just tried it it's, <laughs> not even 100 years <laughs> not even 100 years it totally failed look at Cuba look, look, look at Venezuela what a 100 years look today look at Venezuela look at Argentina Argentina used to be the third richest country in the world until, until they turned left look at Russia you want to go you want to try that oh we <laughs> but you're right people forget and they think they're so progressive and they think they're so clever. They're just... They're just total, totally. totally. But the difference is, the only thing that's different today, now everyone does everything in the name of Torah. Everything today is Judaism. This is Judaism. Even though it's, a, it's 180 degree opposite of Judaism. And it says clearly in the Torah one thing. But, but no. You see, they know... That they have no leg to stand on. But they want to have the seal. They want to have our seal. Why do you insist on calling it a marriage? You want to live? It's a free country. Do as you please. No. We want you. Because they know it's false. They know it's a lie. They know it's a monstrosity but they want to have the kosher seal. Oh, it's love. This is Judaism. Because they know know how empty it is. They know they have no leg to stand on. So they need us to say, it's okay, it's wonderful, mazel tov. That's the, the lie, the monstrosity of the lie today. This never happened before in history. Because everything today is kosher. The biggest anti-Semite today doesn't call himself an anti-Semite. No. Tikkun olam. In the name of my love for Jews, I'm going to spend my whole life besmirching the Jewish people, blood-libeling the Jewish people, harming the Jewish people, but all in the name of Torah. This never happened before. There was always corruption, but they never claimed to be anything other than corrupt and decadent. Today, everything is in the name of holiness. Peace, love, I mean, war today is peace. That's what we, we, we came up with, Oslo. It's a war. It's peace. We'll kill you, but peace. Blood is spilling in the streets. It's peace. 1984. Yeah, 1984. This is, this is Orwellian. This is not just evil. This is a very... This is a malik. This is a sinister evil. This is a, a, a corruption, a mental corruption. Uh, this is a very dangerous... When you play with someone's mind, a person who is emotionally corrupt, he doesn't rationalize it. Listen, I'm weak. There's a possibility for him to do teshuvah. There's a possibility for him to come back home. There's a possibility for him to change. But when you start corrupting the mind, and up is down, and down is up, you can't even find your way back even if you want to, because I'm a tzaddik. <laughs> I'm, this, is, this is Torah. You don't even know that there's anything wrong. On the contrary. If you're against me, that's, that's wrong. So you, you can't even find your way home, even if you wanted to, because you live in a, you live in a false universe. You've created a false narrative. You live in a false universe. And you can't speak honestly. You can't have an honest conversation. Everyone is, how dare you are insulting me. You can't, have, you can't talk honestly, objectively, facts, reality. Don't mix me with the facts. Don't mix me up with facts. Don't mix me up with the reality. Don't talk to me about history. What does Shimon better say? History doesn't matter. Well, history doesn't matter. Facts don't matter. Reality doesn't matter. Uh, so, you know, you, you, you can't even have a conversation.